What is up, everybody? This is episode number two. My name is Ryan Poirier, and this is my podcast, The Varsity Journal. We did it, man. We fucking did it. This is episode number two. We made it this far. And thanks to everybody who listened to episode number one. There was lots of good feedback, which was very surprising. I I didn't think that it was that good. But hey, if you guys liked it, we're going to do a lot more of these. Yeah, no, I I was very surprised. I didn't think that... It was very good at all. I thought I thought that I could have done a lot better for episode number one, but you know maybe maybe we're just gonna keep getting better and better. Um, one of the funny things at the end of the episode, I said, "Hey, um, if it would be very appreciative if I could get some feedback." Um, you know, I I don't have very thick skin, but I want everybody to give me suggestions, and I can't tell you how happy I am that nobody actually did give me any suggestions because if it's one thing that you don't want to hear is any suggestions after you do your first episode because yeah dude I hate criticism who wants criticism so you know what I'm just gonna assume that it was perfect even though I know it wasn't uh yeah I got a comment that it sounded like I'm at I was at the bottom of the well and it still sounds like I'm at the bottom of a well but dude it doesn't matter. We're, we're going to fix the mic stuff eventually. Maybe I'm just going to keep saying that, but whatever, man. Here we are. It's episode number two. I have uh, I have a lot of notes written down for this week because this past week I was just writing down all of the funny things that happened to me. Um, there was there was a guy, just to preview this, there was a guy walking down the street. I walked past him and literally his shirt just said, cocks on it and I died laughing um we'll get into that story there was an idiot online selling his soul on he wasn't actually selling his soul but he, he was he might as well have been but yeah he was selling something on eBay and um I think it was ridiculous and we're gonna get into that man I, I, I want this I want this show to be funny and I want to talk about funny things that happened this week I want to talk about sports um but we got to get a little bit serious um, because uh, I read an article a few days ago um, that this, this article came out in the Player Tribune, which is a website where athletes go on. Usually it's professional athletes. Sometime it'll, sometimes it'll be a like semi-pro athlete. They'll write an article on this website if if it garners enough attention. Um, but yeah, man, I, I read an article on the Player Tribune a few days ago, and it was this young man named Ben Meisner, and he released this article. Ben is a goalie who plays professional hockey in Germany. He grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, so when I was reading this article, you know, I you know, I, I felt like I could resonate with... Uh, Ben a little bit just just because he grew up in Halifax that's where I obviously uh, I completed my undergrad in Halifax I went to Mount St. Vincent University I I was living in Halifax for the past three or four years so in a way yeah I felt a little bit connected with this story Um, because I feel like I'm I'm uh, I'm you know I I lived there for a very long time so I I feel like like uh, I'm one of them um, but yeah, Halifax is a very close knit community and the people over there are tremendous. 
you know, I, I spend a lot of time there and I, I have ties, ties with the city of Halifax. It's an important place to me. Um, yeah, so for those of you who haven't read this Ben Meisner article, I would suggest that you press pause right now and read that article because the article was very, very good. The title of it is called I'm Not Connor McDavid. And, uh, you know, if you've ever played, if you've, you've ever played a sport growing up, um, it can give you tremendous insight on, on the pressures and anxieties that, uh, that people have to deal with. And, you know, if you, for the people who are trying to make it in the bigs, you know, there's even more pressure and anxiety on them. You know, if they, if they have a lot of talent and, and they're really trying to crack it in the big leagues. And, um, yeah, so so Meisner, he outlines the fears and the panic attacks that, that all come along with that in this article. And uh, so one of the things, Ben, he has OCD. Um, and, he, and he talks about the OCD that he, that he has and how it's affected his his playing career. Real OCD though, not not the way that girls say it. I have OCD. It's got to be done this way cuz I have OCD. Like come on. There's there's this uh, I work at a bar and there's this girl who says to me all the time, "Hey, can you make sure all the glasses are in the right spot?" I have OCD. Hey, that's not OCD because you want everything organized. Okay? Did you calculate how many glasses there are in this entire bar? And do you spend your entire night thinking about glasses? And do you calculate the percentage of those glasses that break each week? And how many glasses the manager orders to replace the glasses? Is the manager doing his job? He's probably not because he's probably ordering too many or he's ordering too less. And if she has nightmares about this glassware, then she has fucking OCD. But she just wants them in the right spot. I have OCD. No, you don't. You're just, you're organized. Okay, just say you're organized. Don't say you have OCD. Anyway, Ben Meisner, he, he talks about uh, the amount of teams that, that are in the minors and the actual percentage that he has of losing his job in the ECHL. ECHL is one league below the AHL. And, you know, he's, he's, he's talking about... Uh, all of the calculations that he made, you know, there's 98 professional teams, there's 196 goalies, etc. So here, here's a little excerpt from the article. This, this is the article that I'm about to read. When it came to play professional hockey in the ECHL, that way of thinking meant that I was constantly worried about getting cut. And having OCD meant that during my time in that league, I actually knew how many goalies were gunning for me. I fixated on the numbers. I did the math. I knew that there were 98 professional teams in North America, so there were exactly 196 jobs for goalies. I'd always like, I'd always come back to the fact that in North America alone, there are usually around 320 free agent goalies from D1, D3, Canadian colleges, SPHL, AHL, ECHL, and the NHL, fighting for what amounts to only a few spots at any one time. I had nothing against any of those guys, but in my mind, they became my enemies. And lots of times it seemed like I could actually feel them breathing down my neck, all 320 of them. And later, uh, Ben Meisner, he gets into 
you know, he's always having his browser constantly open, tracking the amount of free agent goalies in the league in the in the available roster spots that would that would open up. Man, this guy, the way that I, the way that he writes is very. It's a very. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. It, it, it gives you a very real insight on what these guys have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's, it, I think it's a really important article, man. I think it's an important article for, for parents who have kids in hockey. I think it's an important article, you know, if you have a buddy that, um, who, who's playing hockey that is, you know, he's in junior D and he's, he's got all these concussions and he's got to get in fights every game just to just to have a chance on the roster so yeah man it it, uh very insightful for whatever reason that's the only word that I can think of right now but um yeah so my guest this week is Chris DeWolf Chris is a student at Dalhousie in Halifax Nova Scotia hey are you guys seeing the theme yet with this episode shout out shout out Haligonians for real man um yeah, anyway, Chris is working as a mental health consultant with athletes, primarily hockey players. Um, you know, he's, he's not just a sports psychologist where he discusses what's going on on the ice, but he's dealing with other issues, issues of anxiety, OCD, and other mental health issues that not every, not every sports physician is, is tackling. So yeah, Chris is um, completing his PhD to become a registered psychologist at um, and he's at Dalhousie University so in this interview and in this conversation with Chris we discussed the Ben Meisner article that came out last week and how important that was for opening up the conversation on mental health and sports what else can be done and how the work that Chris is doing can be beneficial for sports teams all over the world so here's my interview I'm joined now by Chris DeWolf. Chris is a student at Dalhousie University who is working to complete his PhD to become a registered psychologist. The work that Chris is doing is involved with athletes and part of your studies, Chris, is involved with the mental performance side of competition. Um, so Chris, you call yourself a mental performance consultant. Why don't you, you you'd probably do a better job of explaining this than I can. Um, just explain the work that you're doing over in Halifax right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and go through the program and a lot of people who do mental performance work go through kind of sports science and kinesiology programs and that's why um, they can't really use the term psychologist so that's why you use the term mental performance consultant okay and was that your that was your original degree was um, kinesiology and and sports performance or whatever yeah yeah so I started and I did my undergrad in kinesiology um, and then from there I did a master's in Okay, so is what you're doing, would that fall under the category of sports psychology? Is that accurate? 
Yeah, yeah, it would be like I'm applying a lot of sports technology principles, but I refer to it as mental performance just to be um, safe, just because the term psychology is really the registered term. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little confusing, but yeah, what I'm doing is basically working on the mindset about it's helping them develop high performance mindset. We all know that there's important factors associated with how we play that isn't all about our physical skills, right? Some of it's kind of the mental side of the game. I really help athletes with those factors, whether it be things like building confidence or helping their concentration, uh, helping them deal with nerves before a game, or those sorts of things. Chris, when you finished your master's, what motivated you to get into this research? Yeah, I think when I finished with my master's, I was working with a lot of athletes and doing a lot of applied work there and really began to notice some of the important uh, issues that were coming up, things like anxiety and things like that with athletes, so I already was doing the work to help improve kind of mental performance, but I realized that, you know, there's anxiety and there's some mental health issues as well, and I really wanted to help athletes um, as much as I could, and I think that was really developing the mental performance side as well as the mental health side of things, so I've done the clinical psychology now, um, so when I'm all finished, I'll be fully qualified to uh, address both sides there. So the work that you're doing is primarily with hockey players. Is it, did you grow up playing hockey as a kid? Um, I just played that pickup hockey growing up. So I, I played a lot of other sports, but it's kind of funny that uh, I didn't play you know high level hockey or, or anything like that growing up. Um, I guess I just kind of really enjoyed watching the sport, and I just never had the opportunity to play when I was younger. But uh, I love watching the sport. I'm a big fan, and I, I really admire what other players do that I work with. So. A lot of my work is with, is with hockey teams, for sure. So I, I want to get into something now, uh, and this is the prime focus of uh, this conversation that we're having. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a young man named ben, ben Meisner, and he released an article on the Players' Tribune, and he opened up about the pressures of dealing with anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorder that junior hockey players cope with on a day-to-day basis. And the article received a lot of praise, and it resonated with not only junior hockey players, but I think it echoed many feelings held by young athletes all over the world. How important do you think that this article was for opening up the conversation on this issue? Yeah, I think it's huge, and uh, I really want to congratulate Ben for the work he's done. I think just the, the support he's received has shown that he's made, uh, made an impact there, at least developing awareness. Um, I think it's important that you know, the stories get shared with athletes to show that mental health concerns are real with athletes just as much as they are with non-athletes. Um, and I think if you're really reading the article, one of the things, um, there's two real, I guess, main points that I took away, but one was the fact that he said, you know, at first he, he didn't feel that he was really in a position where he could ask for help, right? He felt like if he went to his coach and said, you know, I, I need help because I have anxiety and OCD and those kind of things, that he'd be really giving up his dream of making it to the NHL. And I think it's really important that athletes know um, that they can reach out for help and that that's okay and that there won't be those negative consequences. And I think there's a lot of work that to do with sports there. Um, I think the second really important thing from that article is that that touched on the importance of reaching out for help. And I think with mental health, it's not something, especially athletes, and they feel that it's challenging to reach out or to tell their coach or to tell somebody and because sometimes it's weird it can make a particular barrier for sharing those issues but I think it's really important that you do reach out for help and that it's not something you have to face alone um, and in his story he shares he, he actually said something along the lines that the moment I today because I ultimately did reach out 
for help. So he showed how important reaching out for help was. And I think that's a big takeaway for anybody reading the story. That's important to reach out for help, but you don't need to, you know, tackle it alone. And also one of the things that he touched on was not just reaching out for help, but he, at the end of the article, uh, Meisner was talking about his belief that he thinks that teams, all professional teams and all junior teams, they should have uh, mental health professionals working with them. You know, not, not just the sports psychologists that are on the payroll, but psychologists who are dealing with the mental health issues, not just the on the ice issues. Is this something that you would see as a possibility for teams to have in the future, and would you advocate for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's ultimately, you know, you look at the big sport bodies, and I think their job is ultimately to support their players. And you know, supporting their players is a big part of that, and giving them, you know, the support that they need. And mental health issues are definitely part of um, athletics. You know, athletes have just as much mental health concerns as non-athletes, so it's important for the, the leagues to be able to support those needs of their athletes and have those resources available. One of the things they said um, before was that we need to start treating you know, mental health concerns with athletes like we do physical concerns, and if you look at all the support that these teams have when they have you know, physical concerns, they got their doctor right there, they got their athletic therapist, they got so much support there, and we really need to work towards matching that um, on the mental health side of of things for the, the teams. Mm. And as sad as the beginning of the article was, and it, it was sad reading it throughout, you really, you, you get to this point at the end where he, he kind of breaks through that wall and, and he triumphs through this depression that he was feeling once he actually gets diagnosed and he meets with a psychologist. And I think that there is this light at the end of the tunnel for him. Did after you read the article, did it kind of sing to you and, and, and say, you know, yeah, this this is why I want to do exactly what I'm doing? Is that what you said? What you thought to yourself after you read the article? Yeah, after I read it, I think it was just good. I think first my first reaction was to think of the good impact of the story, and honestly, the Players Tribute has uh, published multiple stories related to athletes and mental health, which I think is really uh, really important. But yeah, when I did read it, I was just happy to see. Um, but he did come out on the other side and like you said in a positive aspect he received help and was able to come out of a very difficult situation and I think people reading the article could see that it was a very real situation and mental health is a real thing right in his case it was even life threatening right um, so understanding that there's very serious concerns that you can't get help so it was very good and I think why I want to do what I do and work with athletes and also help athletes on the mental health side of things um, down the road is is really to have some sort of impact, no matter how big or small. I think uh, promoting something that's important and leading to meaningful change. I I think what you're doing and what, uh, promoting mental health and everything it's it's amazing. This is going to be a really really bad segue because I I just have a couple notes on my computer and the next note it all it says is Roberto Osuna question mark because I I was going to get into last last summer when Roberto Osuna when he came out and then I was like you know what maybe. Maybe this wouldn't be the best time to actually talk about that because, okay, so I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. So, so last year, Roberto Osuna, he took some time off and he opened up about the anxieties that he was dealing with. And I thought it was a very positive thing. And it was one of the first times that a professional athlete actually came out and talked about things like that. And it was one of the first times where it was publicized that this is why a professional athlete is actually taking time off. Like you had just said, you know, at, at 
this should be considered as a real injury. So he actually did take some time away from the game. Obviously, the domestic abuse thing, you know, what came in the offseason. Uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing Roberto Osuna as a poster boy anytime soon for mental health, health issues. But on that note, how important do you think it is that other athletes come forward and do what he did? Um, on Twitter, Rick Westhead tweeted out that the NHLPA will be hosting a seminar where they will be talking with upcoming NHL prospects. The tweet read uh, that they will be dealing with domestic violence education. Uh, former NHL Rob Ramage will be talking about the dangers of drinking and driving. And the seminar is supposedly on the importance of off-ice earnings of active social media presence. So they're talking about... You know, they're, they're trying to be hip, and yeah, we're going to talk about social media presence and drinking and driving. But nowhere in that tweet mentioned that mental health was on their topics of conversation. Do you think that the NHL and other professional sports leagues are trying to shy away from opening up about this conversation on mental health? Uh, I wouldn't say that they're shying away, and I, think, I know the figures every day because I was actually tagged in. I think we're in the stage now where we can't even dismiss that that topic of conversation anymore because I think anytime there's a conversation going on um, where it's something like this seminar, the big white elephant sitting in the room is going to be this topic of CT, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Um, and we've seen so many guys lose their lives in the world of professional sports, but I think that there's this thought process, I might be wrong here, but I believe 
that kind of says you're ultimately doomed once, once you get CTE and it's this neurological disease and it eats away at your brain. Do you think the prevalence of this issue that the time is now uh, in regards to speaking out against mental health issues? Chris, has your research delved into that subject at all um, regarding CTE? No, my research hasn't looked at uh, CTE itself, and I think that's a, a big ongoing um, issue in the, the larger scope of things, but it's not something I've looked into specifically too much um, myself, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, I wanted to get back, actually, to what you were talking about on Twitter about that, um, the post that you were tagged in. Uh, and... You, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I saw that you said that you would love to speak to the NHLPA and other organizations about mental health performance that goes into competing. Is that ultimately one of your goals, to speak out to these organizations on behalf of the work that you're doing? And yeah, like I'm really happy to, to promote any of the work that I'm doing, whether it's in mental health sport or mental performance in sport. Those are two completely separate issues that both that I um, you know, study and work in. But I think both of those, uh, I'm happy to share, you know, my knowledge and everything. And I think it's important to put that out there to sports teams. I think a lot of sports teams already have mental, on the mental performance side, down pat, so um, they have their guys in place for that. But I think on the mental health side of things, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And I'm happy to do whatever I can to, you know, get the word out there and inform athletes, for sure. Chris, thanks again, man, for joining me. I got one more for you, um, and that's just basically if you were talking to the NHLPA or the CHL or OHL, I, d I don't know if they have uh, player associations, but if they do, what are some of the things that you would like to tell them? Or what's the one thing that you would like to tell them? Yeah, I think, I think basically what I touched on a little bit before was that's okay to reach out for help, and that's okay and that it doesn't mean that you can't succeed in sport. Um, I think that would be one big, big component that helps. You know, there's, there's research that supports treatment and treatment shown to be effective. So seek out help and seek out those effective treatments. And on the other side, the organization and people in sport, I think a really important thing is to address athletes with people first and athletes second. So often, especially in competitive sport, we think of these athletes as athletes and they have to train and they have to train and they have to push hard and they're all about the results and they're in a competitive sport class so there's always going to be that pressure but I think it's important to make them feel valued as, as people too and not put all their value in the sport so one of the things would be just asking how their day is talk about non-sport related things too and for the athletes have some other interests don't put everything you know into hockey per se and make that your only thing that you get value from find a anything else because you value more than just as a hockey player or just as an athlete you value 
you need some value it's just being a person and having that conversation about not hockey related things or non-sport related things is an important part of that Thanks a lot, Chris, for uh, for joining me. We talked about some heavy things, but I think these are some important things to talk about, you know, given the current landscape that we're in. So you can follow Chris at DeWolfEC, D-E-W-O-L-F-E-C. I'll include, uh, I'll include your Twitter in the description. Um, Chris, thanks thanks again, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being another, uh, you know, part of the way and just increasing awareness that that was Krista Wolf, student at Dalhousie University, who is working on completing his PhD as a registered psychologist in the field of mental health. A lot of important stuff there, you know. Um, it was a deep conversation. And, you know, if, if you're dealing with issues and you feel that your mental health needs some working on, there's always help out there. And if you did what I told you to do and you read that Ben Meisner article, then you will know exactly what I'm talking about. He was on the brinks of suicide, and and he found that light, and he, and he did it by speaking with a professional. This is important stuff, guys. I, I, I want to move on to the fun stuff, but hey, man, this stuff is important too, and your mental health should always be number one. But yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to the fun stuff. I, and I'm going to start off by saying this. I am so happy that Canada got thumped by Puerto Rico. The score was 9-4. Team Canada in the Little League World Series, they got blown away by Puerto Rico. Uh, They were having this tremendous run in the Little League World Series, and people were amazed at what they were doing, and there was this really good, feel-good um, story there, and they got their asses kicked, and you know what? Call this treasonous, but I'm happy as fuck that we got plummeted by Puerto Rico, and this is why. This is why. After the first episode, I was so amped for this episode, for episode number two, um, because I was telling you the story about how I had gotten an email back from the assistant coach on Team Canada, and he was going to do an interview with me. There was about four times where he he would he would respond to my email. Okay, so this is what happened. At first, I sent the head coach an email, or I sent it to Wally Little League, which was the team representing Team Canada in the Little League World Series. And there was an email that I got back, and it was from... Um, from Lucky Powa, and he said, hey man, I'll be happy to do the interview. In the journalism industry, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, you'll send someone an email and, uh, you know, say the person you weren't, the person you were originally trying to contact, they weren't available for whatever reason, and, you know, by people's good graces, you know, they'll step in and they'll be like, hey, I'll do the interview, or, you know, someone will hook you up with a different interview to do. So Lucky had jumped in and, and you know, he said he was going to do this interview. And I was, I was very thankful for him doing that. But, uh, you know, he, he was dealing with family stuff, so he wasn't able to do that. But after, after that time that I called him, he told me that he was going to get back to me, okay? So then I email him again, no response. Then I wait another day. 
and I email him again and I'm like, Hey, you guys are on a rain delay today. Would you mind doing an interview? And I still get no response. I was like, what the hell? You know, but you know, this guy's probably not checking his emails all the time. He's in Williamsort, Pennsylvania. So I give him a call. He actually picks up and he was in a very bad mood. He sounded like very bitter. And this isn't like, this was, this wasn't an interview. You know, I'm not doing the podcast because I I need these interviews. I'm not a, I'm currently, I'm not an investigative journalist. So the people that I bring on, I want to bring on people who actually want to come on and help me out in this show and actually want to have a conversation. So if I bring somebody on who's going to be bitter and is going to be angry the whole time, then it's pointless. There's going to be, there's no point to doing the interview. Um, this is supposed to be a feel good vibe. Um, and we're both getting information from one another. And the first thing that he says was, he's like, you know, cause I, I told him about the podcast and, and he's like, well, are we live? And I was like, well, we're not live, but if you wouldn't mind answering, um, you know, not answering some questions, but you know, just doing like a five minute interview. Do you like, do you know how short that is? Five minutes. And he goes, Oh, okay. And he, he like, he sounds angry. He's like, okay, like I'll do it. Like whatever. He, you know, he said something like that. I was like, dude, like, are you, are you sure? Like you don't have to do the interview if you want, like, you know, cause I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't want to bring on someone who's going to be angry. Like that would sound so dumb. I would, if he was angry the whole time doing an interview, I wouldn't even post it. So he goes, no, I'll give you a call in 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, sure. I hang up the phone, you know, I hang up the phone and instantly I wasn't excited about the fact that he said he'll call me in 15 minutes just because I was kind of so thrown off the fact that, you know, those other three times I'd contacted him, he was actually like very nice and he was saying he would do the interview. And the one time that I called him where he answered, he sounded like he was a very nice guy. So after this, I was just like thrown off. Like nobody likes to call somebody where, you know, where they're just like rude to you, especially he could have just said, no, this, he's not obligated to do this. He could have just easily said no. And I would have been, I would have been annoyed, but whatever. I, you know, I understand this guy's coaching the little league world series. They're a little busy. But anyway, he said, he'll call me in 15 minutes. And Hey man, if you tell somebody that you're going to call them in 15 minutes, do it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's some coward shit to tell somebody that you're going to call them back and then just not even call them. I relate that kind of to, you know, if, if you're trying to talk to somebody or, you know, if if some crazy person comes up to you and you you take your phone out of your pocket and pretend like you're on the phone, you're kind of being a bitch. You know what I mean? If you pretend like you're on the phone, well, I mean, okay, there's, there's certain, there's certain things I think, okay, yeah, you're allowed to pretend. If you're a girl walking down the street late at night, yeah, pretend you're on the phone. That's, that's different. Okay. But if you're too much of a bitch to deal with some homeless person and you take out your phone and you're like, Hey man, I'm on the phone here. He goes, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. You know, that's, that's a little, yeah, it's a, it's cowardly. So he said he'd call me in 15 minutes. 
He doesn't call, you know, then an hour goes by and then two hours go by. And then I'm like, all right, man, this guy's not going to call back. Like, do you know what kind of shit would have to go down in 15 minutes for him to just, this is to the people that are saying, you know, maybe something happened in that amount of time. Do you know what kind of shit would have to go down in 15 minutes for this guy to forget to make a fucking phone call? Did he break his phone? Did he get Alzheimer's disease and suddenly has the brain of a goldfish? Did a bird fly down and steal his phone? And did he spend the next 25 minutes trying to get it back? And if he did get it back, then why didn't he at least call me back 30 minutes later? You know, this wasn't a thing where he said, hey, I'll call you back in a couple hours or hey, I'll call you back in three days. It was only 15 minutes. That's not a lot of time. So knowing the fact that those kids left the Little League World Series crying actually helped me get some sleep last night. And that might be the most fucked up thing I've ever said, but I mean it. I truly mean it, man. You got to be a man of your word. <sighs> but yeah, dude, I, I, was, I was so mad that day until... I saw the Cox shirt and this is, this is the story that I'm very excited to get into because this, this made me laugh, like real life laugh. You know, a lot of the times you, you watch a movie and it was funny and you bring your friend over, you show them that movie and you actually laugh and you're like, Whoa, I'm laughing. This is kind of weird. Cause I didn't laugh originally. You know, when you're by yourself, you don't laugh like with yourself a lot of the time. This actually made me laugh. So, little background. South Carolina Gamecocks. Very weird sports name, but they're a NCAA Division One team. And sometimes they go by the name Cox. And I think it's an ironic thing now where people are like, go Cox. And like there's like sports memorabilia, but like it'll have the South Carolina Gamecocks logo on it and it will say like Go Cox or something. But their their team colors are crimson red. But this shirt wasn't crimson red. This was like an off pink shirt. Like you could tell if it was crimson red and it got faded in the laundry, but this shirt was like pink and if it could have originally been a red then it was on a different red palette palette not the crimson red palette but like a ro- a light rosy red but anyway i'm walking down the street and this guy's walking towards me and as he's getting closer i'm thinking does his shirt say Cox? Like, zero context. Just Cox. And when I passed him, I turned around to see if there was anything on the back of his shirt, and it said nothing. So I'm two feet away from this guy, and I laugh out loud hard. And I really hope 
that he heard that and he knew exactly what I was laughing about. Because I think that sometimes ridiculous people just need to be laughed at directly in their face every now and then, just so they can know how ridiculous they are. He was wearing a shirt that said cocks on it. No context. Not game cocks. Cocks. And there was something else that happened this week. Um, not as funny. That was funny. I'm not laughing now because I'm alone now. I was alone then, but it was funnier at the time. But maybe this happened like the next day or a couple of days later. And I saw a guy, a typical nerd guy who had like the gross, long, straight hair, wearing a Captain America backpack. And it wasn't just a backpack. It was the fucking, like, shield. The star shield. And this was his bag. And he was like a 30-year-old man. Hey, if you're 30 years old, don't wear a Captain America shield on your back. Like you think you're in the fucking Avengers or something. Hey, don't. You're 30. But, yeah, the Cox thing was funny. That, Captain America, that wasn't funny. That just made me mad. Speaking of stupid people, this was the other thing I was talking about earlier on. And there was a guy that went online on eBay who was selling his fanhood for $1,973. At first, I didn't understand what that meant. I thought that it meant that someone was just gonna, or maybe he would pay that amount of money. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit justified. Um, because if you're gonna if you're selling your fanhood and you're buying into another team, I think you should have to pay the money. But this guy was literally... I'll, I'm going to read the ad. Um, so this is his ad that is priced at $1,973. This is what it says. I hate the Knicks. I love the Knicks, but I hate the Knicks. Diehard New York Knicks fan. My childhood room is still filled with posters from the 90s. The good old days. And not just Ewing. LJ Houston. I'm talking Rick Brunson. New York Knicks articles cut out. Laminated. And still in what is now basically a museum. Pictures of me at 13 years old with blue and orange colored braces. That's a tough yearbook photo. And in a Knicks collared shirt to match nonetheless. After all the ups and downs, more downs, more downs, infinite downs, I have matched my absolute, I have reached my absolute breaking point. As of this moment, my New York Knicks fanhood is officially for sale. What is included is 
in bidding on my new fanhood, I will honor the team of your choosing and be a fan. What does that entail? And then he lists a bunch of things, what it actually entails. Root for this team wholeheartedly. He's going to bet 500 of the money that he receives. He's going to bet $500 on his new team throughout the season. That's not very much. Huh? So of the $1,900 he receives, 500 of it is... If you bet... Okay, granted, $500, sure, that's a lot of money, but in betting terms, nah. This is what else he's going to do. He's going to buy the NBA package to watch every game. He's going to buy two different player jerseys from the team. He's going to attend one home team... Or one home game and one away game. Okay, I'm done. I'm done reading. This is what I think. This guy's... Dude, if you're paying this guy, you're an idiot. This guy's an idiot, but you're also an idiot if you're paying this guy. Because this guy just kind of sounds like he's going to take your money and have the time of his life. Like... Why would you give him money? And I... The bid is actually now at $2,500. People are literally betting on this. Can you imagine having that kind of money where you're like, I want want this guy to be a part of our team, so I'm going to send him money so he can buy sports memorabilia and go see games. No, I'm going to use that money on myself. Anyway, I wasn't even going to talk about why that was dumb. I was just trying to explain what he's doing. This is why I think it's dumb, though, to sell your soul, essentially. Because as a sports fan, there's one cardinal rule. You must stick with your team. You trust in the process, and you got to believe that you will get through it. And I've always had this sentiment that I think it is so ridiculous for a grown man to switch his favorite sports team. If you're over the age of 14 and you change which team you cheer for, dude, you're a grown-ass man. You don't do that. And I was trying to think of what it would cost me to change my teams. But I don't know if I could logically do it. Sure, I'll take a million dollars. But what happens after that? You know, I just take all of the baggage, all of the emotion, all of the time that I've spent cheering, breaking remotes, punching holes in walls, literally man-crying and just throw that out the fucking window and change my favorite sports team as a grown-ass man? No, I couldn't. Because I would still be a fan I would of the team that I had originally cheered for. You know what I would do if I was this guy? I would take all that money, tell people I'm a fan of this team now, let that go on for a year, But there's no way you could take my fanhood from me as a sports fan. It doesn't work that way. The only way that it could ever work is if I just completely erased 
my memory of ever loving that team. Just like in the movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey. And you know what it would be called? The Eternal Sunshine of the Sportless Mind with Ryan Poirier. And just like in that movie, I would, I'd be hooked up to that machine and you would be, you'd be watching me going through all of my trials and tribulations with that team. If you haven't seen the movie, then you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. But if you have, you're like, eh, this actually sounds like kind of a cool idea. And here's what you would see. You would see me, I'm a, I'm a big Calgary Flames fan. So the way that the movie works, you, you take, he breaks up with this, this girl, right? And he erases his memory with her. And the movie starts off with, um, you know, they're going through all of their bad times, their most recent times. But as he's going through and he's erasing memories, he, he's getting to those times where he fell in love with this girl and where he spent the best parts of his life with this girl. And this is what you would see. Same thing with me. You'd see me last year in 2017 getting swept. Actually, no, you'd start this year by us not even making the playoffs. Then you would see, then you would see me watching as a fan and the flames are getting swept in 2017. And I'm, I, I did something. I think I broke a, I broke some, I broke something significant that year. It was a table or it was a Xbox remote, whatever it was. But then you would see those good moments. You would see moments of me in, in 2014, and I, I was watching every game. I, I watched every Flame game that year. And that, that was the year that I was interning at TSN. And, you know, the Flames, they weren't supposed to be shit, and they ended up, ended up making uh, they ended up making the playoffs and they made it to the second round and that was their first time making it to the second round in 10 years uh, you would see you would see a lot of you'd see a lot of anger after that because the flames hadn't made the playoffs for like three years you know but then then you'd get to the the moment when I was 10 years old and I was falling in love with the flames and in 2004 when when they were in the Stanley Cup and I was just a little boy and I was staying up late watching all of the games and they had their their cruise to the Stanley Cup final so yeah that's that's the eternal sunshine of the sportless mind and if you haven't seen that movie then what I just said makes absolutely no sense so hopefully you did but yeah man how, how much money would i take I don't, probably nothing man i don't know like this isn't an actual question these are very unlikely scenarios 10 you know 10 billion dollars give me 10 billion dollars how about that i won't be a flames fan anymore give me 10 billion dollars but yeah these are unlikely scenarios so shut up here's a better question what is the worst position to play in sports? And I was actually thinking about this. And when I thought of it, I was like, oh my God, this is hands down the worst position in sports. 
I remember I was debating something similar, but I think we were talking about football. One of the worst positions to play is, and I was talking with my friend, and, you know, I, th- I think we came up with cornerback. Like, you know, you, to be a cornerback is so hard, and so much of the blame is always on the quarterback. The cornerback. But if you were to ask the worst position in any sport, it's not even close. A goalie in soccer, dude. Like, even if you're the best in the world, nobody cares. You know, the fact that you have to cover eight yards of net is so ridiculous. Like, you could be so talented. And (laughs) you could still just get lit up the entire game. Like, a hockey goalie versus a soccer goalie, okay? A hockey goalie is literally the lifeblood of a team. And if he has a good good game, but his team is shit, then they can still win games. And this is why NHL goalies are paid so much money. You see this all the time in the playoffs. You know, Darcy Kemper in 2014. Uh, I keep saying to... I think this was 2013. And the Wild, they were so bad that year. They came in as, a, as an eighth seed, and they were facing the number one ads. The Avalanche were the one seed. And the Wild won because Darcy Kemper stood on his head. Um, <laughs> you would never see that in soccer. Um, and for some reason, I was just... The thought of these famous goalies just getting like amped up before games and putting in all this work, getting in the zone. But then the fact that no matter how good they are, there's still a very, very likely opportunity that they're just going to get lit the fuck up the entire game is so funny to me. I have this thought about this like little Italian goalie who's like the best in the world. I want to make a sketch about this guy. Just getting amped up before every game. And he could be so good, but he has to cover so much property. So much real estate of grass that it's impossible for him to take control of a game the same way that a hockey goalie does it. But yeah, anyway, man, uh, I'm not making much sense. So I don't got much more than that. Um, I I didn't mean to release an episode exactly one week after um, my first episode, but it just kind of worked out that way. Um, I'm doing something big, man, and uh, I really want to. I want to get into it, but I'm gonna leave it as a surprise. I I'm 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 gonna release the episode very soon. Um, But yeah, the story is about the. If you're, if you're doing a fantasy draft next week at some point, because I know there's a lot of fantasy drafts coming up in this upcoming week, I'm doing mine on Monday. If you're doing yours, um, I would strongly recommend to tune into the next episode because, um, I don't know, I, w- I want to talk about it, but I can't. I can't. It's going to be good, though. It's going to be good, and I'm, I'm very excited to release it. Uh, I want to talk about it, but I can't. I can't. But anyway... Have a good one, guys. Thank you for listening. I uh, always appreciate it. Please um, share share this podcast. I want to get more views than I got last time. And um, yeah, man. 
Remember, if you're over the age of 10, don't wear a Captain America backpack. Peace.